It's that time of the week where we get to discover a little bit about science. And when I say a little bit, a little bit more than what we thought. And the man with all the surprises, all the answers, and quite frankly, a lot of the questions, is Dr. Carl Krizanicki. Oh, you're awfully kind. How are you? I'm not, not, not. Well, look, I'm, I'm so honoured. Look, thank you. I'm not worthy, but thank you. Yeah, you are more than worthy. Dr. Carl, um, I love to talk about medical innovations. And, and down the track, you and I are going to talk about MRIs, CAT scans, and we should actually talk about the history of the invention of the X-ray machine. Because uh, a, 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 apart from penicillin, my opinion is that the X-ray machine changed medicine unbelievably. It was a big, big change, but we should do that and the CAT scan because mm. they are quite different from the MRI scan. Yeah. And they did change things. But it changed and the it, whole world. Doctors could diagnose problems. We've always been getting better and better. So have you heard of the term to sound the depth of the water or yeah, a yeah. sounding rocket. Yeah. Well, the origin of that is medical diagnosis. Mm. Now, you've heard of the Hippocratic Oath. Yes. And like everybody, you've never read it. No, but I know it's about the, the Greek Hippocrates who... That's uh, good. That's good. Yes. Yep. And basically the oath is an oath taken by all medical practitioners. Licensed. Licensed. No, no. no. Most. None. I've never met one who has. Oh, well, I thought that all doctors took the Hippocratic Oath, which which made, which gave them uh, an undertaking to put the preservation of life first. You sound like somebody who's never read it. Of course I've never read it. It's very short. Yeah. It says a bunch of things, mm. like um, be a good guy, be a good person, Um uh, don't have sex with the patients unless uh, they're slaves, kind of. Um, uh, give freebies to your teacher and your teacher's family uh, until you die. And do not operate upon the stone, which is getting us to the sound. Now, the stone was the kidney stone, not the kidney stone, the bladder stone. And what Hippocrates had seen was that people had tried to operate on the bladder stone, and sure, you could cut down and do it, but everybody died, you know, infection. And so he said, look, mate, if you don't even think about doing it. All you'll do is you'll get a bad operation. And so in the Hippocratic Oath, it says, do not operate on the stone, brackets, because otherwise you'll fail and you get a bad reputation. And the way that they would diagnose a bladder stone was by sounding it. Mm. Imagine you get a long... Uh, knitting needle, you know, knitting needle, mm -hmm. and then make it really thin, like about a millimetre in diameter, two, two millimetres with a rounded end mm -hmm. and made of metal. And then you slide it up the urethra, longer in men, shorter in women, mm -hmm. and you listen. Mm -hmm. And you push it and you're listening for the clink, clink, clink. Mm -hmm. And if you hear that clink, 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 you say, see you later, mate, not touching you. Get oh. somebody else. Oh. So that's where we get the name sounding rockets right. and sounding the ocean where we're d diagnosing something we cannot normally see. Yes. And so we use a, a sound. In this case, even in medical terms today, a, thon uh, a long skinny metal rod is called a sound. Okay. Anyway, sorry to break your heart, but you've watched too much TV where they all say, 
Didn't you? I swore upon the Hippocratic Oath. Right, okay, they don't. Well, I've got here from Penn University. Yep. By all that I hold highest, I promise my patients competence, integrity, candor, personal commitment to their best interest, compassion, and absolute discretion and confidentiality within the law. I shall do by my patients as I would be done by, shall obtain yep. consultation whenever I or they desire, shall include them to the extent they wish in all important decisions and shall minimize suffering wherever a cure cannot be obtained, understanding that a dignified death is an important goal in everyone's life. And it goes on. I just looked up the Hippocratic Oath thanks to Penn State University. So I'm just saying. Hang on. Is that the Hippocratic Oath? No, it's an, it's, it says it's under the Hippocratic Oath is traditionally administered to the young physician upon entering the profession. Although usually attributed to Hipp Hippocrates, it is probably an ancient Roman oath. Ah. Hippocrates, the, the, the Greek physician called the father of medicine, lived from about 460 BC to 377 BC. He placed medicine on a scientific foundation, freeing it from superstition, philosophy, and religious rites. Gave sound and shrewd descriptions of me this is just Wikipedia telling me about Hippocrates. Yeah, he, he was he was great, and and he was he came up with the thing that's still true today for diagnosing an infection. Yes, which is hot, red hot, swollen, tender. Every medical student learns that. Yes, and, and that's true. And, if, and it comes that comes from Hippocrates. If it's red, if it's hot, if it's swollen and it's tender, you've got some sort of infection raging away. But tell me this, Dr. Carl, if you go back to Hippocrates, as I said, often thought of as the father of medicine, lived from 460 BC to 377. When back in those days, if you were cutting people open or exploring how the human body worked and trying to diagnose illness without superstition, and praying to gods and doing all that sort of thing, weren't you often burnt at the stake like as a witch sort of thing? It all depends what society you were in. Sure. So the oldest uh, surgery that we have goes back about 10,000 years, both in the South Pacific and in South America, and it was pretty successful. Mm -hmm. And it was for doing repairs to the middle meningeal artery, which is involved with the temple, when you got hit on the side of the head on the temple. Right. And they were able to do sterile surgery with a higher success rate in the South Pacific than they could in Europe in the early 1900s. But what about doctors in the late 1700s, 1800s, who believed that putting leeches on things was a cure? And they, Sometimes it is. Is it? Oh, yeah. So oh. Um, suppose you've got a person yeah. um, who has chopped off their finger. Yes. Accidentally. Yeah. And you can sew it back on. Mm. You can join um, finger, you can join bone to bone mm. and muscle to muscle and skin to skin. You can kind of get the nerves near each other and they will try and sort of join up with each other. But um, And you can join the artery. It's a fairly big, fat thing, you know, a millimetre or so in diameter. You can join the artery to the artery, but you've got, you got a million bloody veins. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen is you do this successful operation and it's a total success. You've joined everything up mm -hmm. except the veins. Mm -hmm. The blood goes in. It can't go out.
Mm. And the finger begins to swell, pressure builds up, and you have to chop the finger off again. Yeah. If only there was some way, some sterile way, that you could remove the blood from the finger as quickly as it went in mm. and then leave that in operation for a few days and then after a few days the small blood vessels, the veins, grow back. And that thing is the leech. And you can buy sterile leeches which are used specifically for that purpose. Is, so leeches actually do have a purpose? Well, they have a medical purpose. In terms of evolution, it's just all random noise. Uh, but in terms of humans, we can do that. Yes, we can use it. Um, according to world data, the mm. world's leading or the, the, the world's amongst the world's leading causes of death, um, heart disease is number one. Heart disease is a big one. Stroke. Um, stroke's another one. Uh, 10% of all of 60 million people who die each year die prematurely because of pollution, air pollution from fossil fuels. So they kill, fossil fuels kill 10% of the world's population early uh, than they would have died and pays no compensation. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I just want to go through the top 10 yep. according to the World Health Authority. Sure. And we'll see where um, well, superbugs come in. Uh, no, 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 no. I was going to see where cancer came in because I was going to say to you, if they do actually find one day a cure for cancer to stop bad cells reproducing and stop cancer in its tracks, um, how long would people live and could the world actually survive with that many more people in it? But here I am looking at this data now, heart mm -hmm. disease way ahead at number one, stroke at number two, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is number yep. three. Lower respiratory infections, four. Neonatal conditions at five. Yeah. Uh, bronchitis, lung cancers at six. Alzheimer's and other dementia, uh, dementia seven. Um, diabetes is down there, kidney disease. But I thought cancer would be way ahead, but it's... Heart disease. Um, let's look up cancer while we're here and see what we find. Because I looked up a different set list and found a different bunch of causes. So, and now the thing about cancer is that it's not just a disease. It's a whole bunch of diseases of any part of the body. So I can pretty well guarantee that you and I and pretty well everybody who's listening who is a male and over the age of 25 as cancer of the prostate. I can pretty well guarantee that. But is it benign kills. or malignant? In most cases, it's totally benign and doesn't really do much in most people. Yeah. So that's okay. the difference. So, okay. So there are many different cancers and depending on what sort of cancer you get, the life expectancy varies. So with prostate cancer, don't really worry about it. With stomach cancer, they don't take out a subscription that lasts for more than one year. Yeah. Pancreatic cancer, the same. Pancreatic cancer in general. Once it gets you, it gets you very quickly. bad. Yeah. Well, some people do survive. Um, tobacco use is the cause of about one quarter of all cancer deaths. And yet we have a situation in Australia where the tobacco companies uh, choose not, well, they choose to take the option of not paying any tax. Um, and so there is revenue generated uh, by the people who sell it, which is, comes out to about $10 billion a year. But the cost to Australian society is at least $30 billion 
possibly 130, we reckon. So that means to kill 20,000 Australians each year, uh, we uh, deplete our coffers by 20 billion and the tobacco companies don't pay any compensation. All right. Now we are, we are running out of time and I, I do want to talk to you about medical, significant medical breakthroughs and we can do that on another week. I, I'd love to ask you, what do you think? If you, if you had to name one, what to Dr. Carl Krasinicki is the most significant medical breakthrough in the history of mankind? I would go penicillin. Uh, drinking water, clean drinking water. Okay. Hey, listen, can we talk more about this next time? Sure. Dr. Carl Krasinicki, I love your work. Oh, love you and everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do, Dr. Luke.